My name is Matt Brown. Give me a hell yeah. And let's start the show. podcast hello you cool cats and kittens my brothers sisters you mothers daughters fathers sons and everyone else in between what is going on this is a special friday edition of the productive conversations podcast and we have a special treat for you today yeah Alex Young is on the podcast today. He is my former partner at WSAM at the University of Hartford. Me and him hosted a radio show for three years, and we were a pretty damn good team together. I've stayed in touch with him ever since. I've talked to him about a bunch of different things, and he surely is one of the best dudes I know. Simple as that. Big fan of the guy. Big fan of his family. I'm happy to see him doing really well. Killed it at MLB killing it at at now the NBA and I can't wait to see where he's going beyond this is my buddy this is my friend this is a really great guest to have Alex Young it's your turn now here we go everybody we're in for a treat I've been looking forward to this all week as we record on the day before Halloween on this Friday I have one of my great friends from college my former radio partner, the Bro Circle and Matt and Alex show, um, and just a fellow great man that I'm so happy to have here. Alex Young, thank you for coming to the Productive Conversation Podcast. How are we doing, bud? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I mean, like we said, like you said, Bro Circle, Matt and Alex show, we've been doing this talking for what now? Start of freshman year and been seven friends ever years. since. Seven years, exactly. Yeah, it's been man. like seven years, so it's been crazy that this is technically really have come for a circle so i'm super happy to be here on this podcast and then be able to talk to you once again it's been a while definitely man yeah you were you were my first friend in college and like the fourth person i ever met there and look here so it's pretty we're pretty fortunate and it's funny you look the exact same just different with doing just depending what you do with your hair at that time of year Thank you, man. Yeah, I really, I don't know. I'm shocked that through all my stressful jobs and stuff, I haven't aged at all. <laughs> I can't complain at all. That's funny. Oh, boy. Look at that. So, Alex, you are in New Jersey, right? You mentioned yep. that out in Parsippany. Yeah. That's still Bergen yep, County, right? Yeah, yeah. This is Morris County, but yeah. It's just, Morris it's just County? Around, you know, I'm, I'm still, yeah. Just a little bit around, the, you know. Everywhere, it's just, it just doesn't really matter. Whatever county, everyone knows, it's just New Jersey. <laughs> Jersey <laughs> right. Same everywhere. Um, you know, except for like down the shore and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it's like, you know, 30 minutes from where I grew up in Bergen County. So, you know, everything to me is, is Bergen. This is all New Jersey. You know, <laughs> you know me as the outsider for Connecticut. I just assume mm-hmm. everything, anything in the New York 
like the Jersey part that's there in New York, I just assume that's Bergen County or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much. You can't, you can't really complain. Whatever, whatever county you want to call, you know, doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's all yeah, good the other day. Okay. That's what I always like about people in New Jersey. They really have a lot of pride for this state, and it's cool. My dad works in a uh, Paramus, and it's he's still forty five minute commute even from our home in Norwalk in Fairfield County, Connecticut. It was just really, it's, it's, I think people don't realize how close I really, my area is close to your state. And, um, you know, when I could go to giant games when I can. And, you know, I heard this thing today. I was listening to Joey Diaz on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, <laughs> right? Great podcast, by the way. That's a good podcast. For sure. <laughs> and he was telling me that he used to ride bikes in the Meadowlands before they created um, they, before they created the whole sports complex pre-Giant Stadium. And I was wondering, what was that like? You know, obviously it was Giant Stadium, now MetLife and upsets everybody. Now they have the horse track. It's, always, the always giant, it's, always, yeah, it's always Giant Stadium to me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wherever you go. I just wonder what it must have been like in that huge Meadowlands, except where they're probably, you know, burying bodies. But besides that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so what have you been up to recently, Alex? Uh, so I've been working at the NBA. I mean, you've talked about that for a little yep. bit. So this is, I just finished my first season. Congratulations. Uh, long season. Thank you. Uh, which is crazy if you think about it. I started in August, like September, right? So mm-hmm. right before the week one of the NFL season. And I have worked a full calendar year not a lot of people realize that a lot of nba employees and the players work Mm -hmm. a full calendar year so if you look at it in terms of nfl i started around week one of the nfl season and i just finished up week one of the next nfl season so it's been a a very hectic year a lot of stuff going on um you know everyone knows the story you know what happened Mm -hmm. uh, rudy gobert and all that um you know a lot of uncertainty for the year kobe's tragic passing so a lot Mm of a lot of crazy stuff um, but you know, it was a great year. I learned a lot. Um, and you know, I'm happy that we have a little bit of downtown now. Um, but you know, uh, it just was an unbelievable year, a lot of great stuff. And, uh, I'm really happy that, you know, I made the move, um, from, you know, I, like, you know, I worked at MLB for a year yep, yep. and then I made the NBA. Um, and I, I've been really happy with, with the decision I made to make that move. Um, I'll be it. Like, you know, everyone knows it's been a absolutely chaotic year for a lot of people, and, and sure. the NBA definitely went through that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I could imagine. This really was a defining year for the NBA, as you mentioned. First of all, don't forget, like, I'm sure you, you definitely know the China mess that happened about a year ago yeah. where we have Daryl Morey say some not-so-kind mm-hmm. things. Um, then, as you mentioned, we – lost an icon for the NBA, sadly, with Kobe's death. And then we uh, – and then, you know, pandemic hits, have to go to Florida. And I could imagine, like, it must have been something else to see the – to see the finals finally end successfully and everything. Yo, if you don't mind me asking, Alex, you know, not to get on a somber note to start, but with the passing of Kobe, do you remember where you were amongst that in the NBA? Uh, remember, uh, what was your yeah. story behind it? Um, so, crazy enough, uh, I was actually heading to Secaucus, my office. Uh, I was mm-hmm. driving to work, 
uh, and I got a message uh, in, in one of my group chats saying that Kobe died. And and uh, all of us were like, no, no way. You're joking. This is like, you know, it was like a t- mm-hmm. the TMZ article. So everyone's like, oh, this is a hoax. You know, but TMZ, yep. you know, TMZ is reliable for the most part. But, it, you know, everyone, this is a hoax. I can't, can't believe it. I can't believe it. So I'm on my way to work, not, you know, thinking it's not a big deal. Pull in uh, right outside my office and I hear the radio report come mm-hmm. in. You know, uh, I can't remember. I was listening to Sirius XM, listening to one of the sports uh, channels there, and I hear the report. And uh, it hit me, you know, tremendously hard. I tried to stay composed, and I walked into the office, uh, you know, go up in all the TVs. All, every single TV in that room had the news on about Kobe. And uh, if I could tell you, you can hear a, a, a pin drop in that room. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, and just to see some of my closest coworkers uh, crying, tearing up, including myself. Um, you know, I told my girlfriend after, you know, she, you know, she's not really big sports, but she know much Kobe meant to me. Um, and to a lot of people, uh, I tried to stay composed that whole shift. We, you know, we had the work, you know, there was games that day. We didn't know if they're going to be postponed, but you know, we worked those games and everything going on. Um, and I tried to stay composed that whole day, and, and it didn't really hit me until I got into my car after my shift that, it, you know, all that happened. Um, and actually, you know, broke down on my way home. And it was just it was such an emotional yeah. time, you know, because if you think about it, like I think a few weeks before that, David Stern had his – Yes, his that too. Um, so, you know, people were getting over that. To me, he's the greatest commissioner Easily uh, in the NBA history, possibly in all sports. Um, so that, you know, I was upset that day, um, you know, but I think the Kobe thing hit me really, really hard and it hit a lot of people hard. And um, so, so yeah, I, I always remember that moment. It was just so happened. I was going to work that day. It was in like the NBA Sunday. too. Yeah. At the NBA. Yeah. And uh, just that whole day, it, it was tough, um, you know, because the games that went on, you know, all the tributes, all the really cool, you know, them taking the intentional shot clock violations and, and the eight seconds and all that stuff and all, all the amazing things. And, um, and, and doing that and being a part of that, you know, logging those games. Um, you know, I think I had a game, an important game that day, and just hearing all these announcer stories and all that stuff. Um, even today, I won't forget um, to be a part of that. There was a lot of historical moments I was a part of just this year alone. Like I said, yeah. it's probably the craziest year I've ever worked. Um, but just being part of those moments, albeit as sad as it was, um, is something, like I said, I, I don't think I'll ever forget for sure. Yeah, like you know, first with the th- with David Stern, I totally agree. Well, he did for the NBA. You know, when he went in in the early 80s, very bad Coke problem, not as many stars. Um You'd have NBA Finals when it was like the Blazers winning and the Warriors back then and the Sonics and nobody would show up. And, you know, his landmark deals going to cable TV, um, bringing playoffs games there and uh, just making the NBA what it is. And it's rare to see an Adam Silver fit almost perfectly because he's definitely the strongest commissioner of all them, literally all of them. Yeah, and and – and one of the, the crazy things, too, that people forget, you know, that, that Adam Silver had to deal with the first few months as commissioner was the Donald Sterling mm-hmm. incident that everyone knows about. Uh, for a new commissioner to go through that and, 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 and all that drama and all, all that stuff that was going on, the job that he did was unbelievable. And it just showed the 
of commissioner he was going to be in and these last few years yep. of him as commissioner you know he like you said filled in the role of david stern and has been probably the strongest commissioner in in, in my opinion in all of sports and that's not me Absolutely. just being biased uh because i work at the mpa um, <laughs> he's your boss technically <laughs> yeah, he's my boss. Um, but no that's just me in general and and me and you have talked about that you know throughout our years of college just you know how strong the nba has been and 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 you know a lot of people didn't know if, if adam silver could fill david Stern's shoes but he's shown time and time again that he is a tremendous leader for that organization for sure um like yeah i where do we go mlb from cheating to not getting losing popularity every year nfl with the handling their pr issues and handling cte and um players acting a fool the the nhl is you know nothing against the nhl but it's just so regional and it's hard to have that presence i mean pretty much like him and dana white are pretty much the only ones who They've earned their earned their respect, you know. And then and the NHL's growing, and you're seeing that, and that's a good thing to see. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they've been posting strong numbers, and their salary caps have gone up higher. Yep. So it's good to see that. It's a good sport. Um, I've had to get into it. I've never really been into hockey, but I've been trying to get into hockey. I think it's a really interesting sport to look at. Oh um, yeah, especially. Yeah. F- Especially for our teams as well, like, like you know, I'm Rangers fan. You know, they're rebuilding. They got the very first pick, and the Islanders were just around away from the Stanley Cup. And I don't really be following the Devils, but I mean, you know, they're your state, so I, I yeah. assume they're. I'm a, Ranger, I'm a Rangers fans, but you know, for for the Devils, they they have a you know, like I said, Gunyong Kaur, they had you know first first the world pick you know a few years ago and yep. their last season. Um, so they're they're rebuilding. Um, you know, but. They have promise. They have promised things in the Rangers as well. You know, like I think having the first overall pick come to to New York uh, is going to be you know bring a lot of eyes. Uh, sure. Even though the Rangers, even though the Rangers are like a, are, are you know up and down. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not really into hockey. Cause I'm not the strongest of Rangers fans, but mm-hmm. just to see what I see in terms of the roster. Um, you know, they have a lot of promise for a team that you know technically is rebuilding, but again, they have a yeah. lot of good players in place. Um, and, it all uh, starts somewhere too. So yeah, exactly. You know, with Parnier's looking good, and and um, Savetskin looks like he's gonna take over. He's officially got the goalie role over Henrik Lundqvist. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. And for some, and they get away with, and they save Dolan's ass in one way or the other. Because we, <laughs> That's true. I want to go definitely more with our Knicks. But just the last thing, we drifted off with Kobe though, yeah. like you know. Kobe's on the Mount Rushmore of NBA greats for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, my quick story, my experience, it was it was a Sunday. I remember it was the Pro Bowl. So yeah. uh okay, yeah. week in between the championship week in between the championships, co- the conference championships and the Super Bowl. And yeah, I just had my youngest brother screaming and it just is him and a ton of bricks and uh definitely got emotional ourselves and we'll never forget what he did and um also you know, rest in peace to the other seven people who passed away too, and his daughter Gianna. Can't forget them. So, hopefully, it just leads to new things changing. With you know, I'm not a helicopter expert, but I hope that um things change with uh with how that's safety. operated. And yeah. uh, yep, safety. Yeah, and we'll never forget Kobe. So yeah, absolutely not. No, rest in peace, Kobe. For Love sure. It. And you wanted on a happy note. What you? What's your favorite Kobe memory? Seeing you witness he done. <sighs> Oh man, there's so many. Or so, uh, one of a few. It has to be the favorite, but like, what's what's one that sticks out? Or it could be a few. I, I think my favorite. And I think it's because it's the shot. Like I, I, I when I my my only tweet I had on Kobe was they someone did a montage of all his buzzer beaters, and mm. just the fact that I literally 
I still play basketball this day. Um, tried as a kid and growing up to mimic all those buzzer beater moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my favorite one probably was against the Phoenix Suns. I believe was in was it in the Western Conference Finals? I can't like I can't against remember. Amari and Snash and, and yeah, yeah. Snash, I, I can't remember, but, Nash. Yes, yes. But it, yeah, um, but that was one of my my key memories uh, growing up is just seeing that because it's like oh the Suns you know the Suns will get away with this one and then all of a sudden you know <laughs> Kobe dribbles right you know right side of the from the free throw line pulls up hits it. Uh, you know, ice is the game, and 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 you know, that was a crazy moment. And then obviously him, you know, uh, winning the the title against the Celtics. I watched that whole yeah. series. That was a, a, a such a fun series to watch. And then, um, you know, just seeing that all the celebration on that moment, and and uh, all those iconic, you know, moments from him winning that championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of probably probably one of the most memorable finals we'll see just because it was the whole bringing back, you know, the Lakers Celtics rivalry. Yep. And, and, you know, we didn't see that as kids, but then we got, we got to see this rivalry, you know, reborn right. back in the finals. And, and it was so awesome. And, and, you know, just to see Kobe, you know, get, get another title and, and all that was, uh, was something I'll never forget. Um, but yeah, you know, there's so many memories, you know, all the buzzer beaters, all the clutch shots, all the fadeaways, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so hard to just pick, you know, one, you know, memorable moment. Um, but I, I think to me, you know, if I had to probably pick one would probably be that whole series against the finals, all those moments then him, you know, uh, winning, winning it all. And then all the celebrations following that. I, I totally agree with you on that. I, yeah, those are really stuck out when he beat Dwight and the magic was another one. Yeah. That that second half yeah. too. Yeah. Um, also just, I remember his 81 point game. I actually happy to stay up that day and watch it when we had the Fox Sports Network, um, or that they no pre Fox Network. Remember there was FS1 like it goes MSG then yeah. FS1 or two. I did sadly no also a cable cutter. I don't even know if they exist anymore. But um, I remember specifically watching that and talk about it at school. This is in the fourth grade that happened, I believe. So now a long time ago. So that that was that's probably my favorite seeing eighty one and then yeah, beating the Magic and Celtics for just seeing him prove that he could win without Shaq. Yeah. Was and he did it not just once but twice. Shaq only won once without Kobe. So um major props, major props with that. And last thing on what's cool thing with Commissioner Silver. And then uh, what's cool is the rise in the WNBA that's helped facilitate. You know, we do have a long ways to go, mm-hmm. but I sure. do think slowly more people are taking it WNBA a little more seriously. Like, for instance, Sabrina, um, I can't pronounce her last name. Unesco? Yeah. You know, her her rise being Kobe's mentor, and now she's on the Liberty. Even though I know they had a very bad season, but that's – you all start somewhere. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool to see and witness. And that's one of the few things for Connecticut's pride is the Connecticut um, – this is Connecticut son. So, uh, yeah. So I think that's pretty cool too. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a sport that's growing. I, you know, I had the opportunity to, to log a few WNBA games this mm-hmm. year and I had a ton of fun, uh, watching it. It's a very high, you know, a lot of people don't, don't realize it, but it's very fast paced. It's very, yeah. very competitive. And there's a lot of young up and coming stars, you know, Sabrina Nescu, mm-hmm. uh, Kubowale. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of really, really young, talented players in that league. And I'm happy, you know, you know, Stern started it and then, you know, Silver's mm-hmm. really promoting it. And I'm happy that to see that 
that it's being promoted by, you know, NBA players and other other, yep. other players around different sports. Um, it definitely deserves its praise. And, you know, I'm happy to see that league growing. I think it definitely uh, is very fun to watch. And, you know, people have been criticizing it for years. But once you sit down and watch, you know, a, a WNBA game, it, you, you just change your whole perception on, the, on that league. Um, so, you know, if people out there are like, oh, it's WNBA, go sit down watch a game, you know, start maybe watching a Seattle Storm game, Super, mm-hmm. all of them, you know, they just won a title. Um, Brianna Stewart, all of them. Yep. Watch something like that. There's, it's so fun to watch. It's very, very high-paced. Such such high IQ, uh, high IQ plays out there. It's a great league, and I'm happy to see that, you know, it's finally, you know, kind of growing, and, and I hope it continues its success on the line for sure. And it's going to be huge when uh, we have Becky Hammond's assistant coach on the Spurs. And a lot of people think once Pop leaves that she's going to be the one to step in. And she's proven herself, rising in the ranks. Looks like it'll be him or Tim Duncan. And why not? Why not? You know? Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I think she deserves it. She's been working at it for years, and I think she's a tremendous coach. And, you know, in the bubble, there was moments – I think she actually coached for a lot of the games in the bubble. Yeah, I think so, too. Popovich gave her the kind of the reins to to kind of, you know, let her take control, and I think that was so awesome to see. Um, And I think she, you know, deserves an opportunity. I think she's a tremendous person. I think she's a tremendous coach, and I hope that she gets an opportunity down the line. I absolutely agree with you. I be, it looks like that there's a great chance for it. And, um, yeah, I just hope to see it. I really hope to see it. And we could start making these changes. It was, it was one of the big things is, you know, these women are just as good as the men in making a presence for basketball. It's just basketball at the end of the day. The only difference is the ball is is, is smaller in the WNBA. So no huge deal about that. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I'm excited to see. And why not hear other perspectives, right? Wins a win. So either way, however you get it. All right. And just another basketball point. I can't not have a talk with you and not talk about a Knicks. New York Knickerbockers. Boy. Yeah. (laughs) Where do we start? Where do we start? How about we we get the eighth pick? (laughs) And I'm not – this is the one draft class I'm not as familiar with. I usually catch up in March Madness, but I (laughs) – It's uh, I you know one thing I will say I'm not you know when we look back in history and we see, um you know first round picks where they come from, and you know there's been plenty of examples of high first round picks who don't do a thing, right? They don't do a thing. They just you know, sadly if you're just a uh, Greg Oden, I know he had more injuries and yeah, had some weird issues. Yeah. Maybe that's not the best example, but if we talk like. I don't know. Um, you can look at Anthony Bennett. You can look at yep. even Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was the number two overall pick. Um, you can just look kind of, you know, down the line of, of historically, you know, players, you know, that did probably, you know, if you even look back on like Jordan's draft, you know, like Sam Bowie gets taken over Jordan. <laughs> see the same thing as Greg Oden. You know, he, he you couldn't see oversee him getting, you know, injured as much as he did. Um, but it's just, it's just a historically – there's teams out there that have historically not drafted well or particularly well. And I, you know, I think this year um, is, is going to be a little tough, obviously with everything going on, you know, you're not going to be able to scout as well. And like you said, a lot of people, including myself, like I, I kind of sit and, and scout uh, or look at, 
you know, top players during March Madness, and yeah. we didn't get March Madness this year, uh, um, obviously, with everything going on. So it's it's going to be an interesting draft for sure. And, and then, the, of course, you know, we're hoping as Knicks fans <laughs> to get, a you know, a top five pick, and we fall to eight. So <laughs> it is what it is at this point. Being right. You know, Kawhi was the 17th overall pick. Giannis was 15th. Um, it's not all. Let me look up real quick, if you don't mind me looking up. Eighth NBA yeah, round picks. NBA draft best eighth best eighth eighth overall picks. And I mean know, Curry fell to Curry fell to nine? Right? Curry, there it is. Steph no. Curry. I remember Knicks were just a no, pick, got, I remember Knicks were very the eight, very pickly. Yeah, he was eight or nine. I can't I can't remember. I don't know why. I usually have seventh. it in my head. He was According seventh, to seventh. Okay. So, you know, just as close. But um yeah. some great overall picks. Rudy Gay, uh Ron Harper, Larry Hughes, <laughs> U-Hart's Vinton Baker. This is the one. <laughs> U-Hart, I mean, Baker. You know, I mean, these are good players, but I'm just looking for, you know, real standouts. Yeah. Uh, it, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't that good. I don't know, but who knows? Maybe we'll just have the first really good one. Let, let's just go with that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, we can, go, we can go off the promise of that. We'll have the first star-studded eighth-round pick. And you know what was crazy, too? Speaking of Hartford and March Madness, we were just a game away from possibly getting yeah. in. Oh. That was, that was so sad. I, like, once I saw that report, like, because, you know, everything was, you know, shutting down. All the, all the major conferences were, were mm-hmm. closing at that time. And I was like, oh, like, come on, let's just, like, squeeze out the America East. Like, let's just, like, give ourselves a chance to make it. Yeah. Even though if they shut it down, like, just, like, just play the game. I think they were, like, a few days away from the game. Like, you know, and, and this is just me being, like, a dumb fan. And at the time, not knowing, mm-hmm. how, you know, the severity of everything at that moment. Yep. Um, we're like, oh, we're, like, one game away. Like, come on, like, we could probably squeeze this game out because they were still playing a few games. So, I'm like, okay, yep. maybe maybe they'll just finish this week out and then, you know, that's it. And – and then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, everything's shutting down. And we're like, ah, like, you know, they're on, like, ESPN the next day or, like, mm-hmm. a few days later. Right, and finally. We're like, oh, we're like, oh, like, oh, man, like, you know, Gallagher's interviewing and, like, mm-hmm. sitting there and on set. And we're like, we're like, damn, like, we could have easily, maybe, like, not saying we could have, but, like, we had a chance to be finally, you know, in, in March Madness because usually, you know, you have the Albanese, you have Vermont, yep. you have USNBC, double, who actually USNBC. beat the first, the first yeah, beat Virginia. They're, they're the upset stories. A lot of people don't realize that that's our conference. So <laughs> yeah. if you didn't know, Hartford was in the same conference of UMBC, which upset Virginia a few years ago. 16th over um, one. Yeah. So it was like, I was just sitting there. I was like, so sad. I'm like, you know, we're like, oh, finally we have a potential chance here. And then, of course, everything gets taken away. And, and, and it just showed the sadness of of everything happening in sports. You know, mm-hmm. s- seniors in high school not being able to finish out their final season. Yep. Seniors in college not being able to get their moments and, and, and get their senior days and finish their careers. Like, if they're not moving on to the pros, you know. I know your brother, you know, is the same thing. He's mm-hmm. had a, you know, a, a, a chaotic year with him being, you know, senior in terms of recruiting and playing and, and all yep. this stuff and everything going on. Like, it's just – it's you just look at the scope of everything in that moment. And I just remember it. I'm like, I just feel bad for everyone, but including the seniors that, you know, they, they could have fought and had a chance to make it to even the one March Madness game finally. And, you know, the opportunity didn't happen. And just having that conference championship, just if th- that would have just been, it would be awesome. The yeah. biggest thing. I don't think that's ever happened or 
I don't know how close it, they it, ever I, got. I, yeah, I, I think I don't know if it's happened or it has, but it's been a really, really Easy. long time, if I remember correctly, that they last time because like they they never they never won when we were there, so that was four years. So I, you know, um, they've come close, but you know, uh, but you know. It just it's just a shame that they didn't get that opportunity because I, I don't know if they ever won or it would have been like the first time. It would have been like the Dodgers thing. It would have been like the first time in like thirty plus years <laughs> right? the East Conference or stuff like that. So Or yeah. just having a the con we were or it would just be like that moment where maybe they won in a when they were in a different conference. I don't know the one they yeah. were in before American East, but man. But back to the Knicks. We got a new coach, Tom Thibodeau, who has been no, who has got credited with development of players and have found success with the T Wolves and the Bulls, but could he be the one with the Knicks, with the RJ Barretts and the Mitch Robinsons and if Julius Randle wants to be good again or we see Dennis Smith Jr. maybe getting Merge the potential finally. that or they Frank Neilakina, we've been waiting on, <laughs> on his emergence for years. Maybe Dude. he finally gets the minutes that he deserves on on the court. <laughs> you know, that we haven't seen. Fights with LeBron and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we saw him in, like, Euro, like, in Europe. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember what tournament it was. I don't know. I can't remember what tournament. FIBA or, tournament? Or, or, maybe it was FIBA. I can't remember what it was recently. But we saw him, like, do extremely well there or, or perform well. And, and we're like, then he comes back and he doesn't get, like, minutes. So, you know, I hope I know. Like Tim, uh, Tom Thibodeau has developed well. Like you said, you can look at his track record. He's had a lot of very good players uh, mm-hmm. under his under his wing. You know, you look at Derrick Rose. You know, look at those, those good Bulls teams. You know, you have Derrick Rose. You have Joakim Noah. You have you know even Lou Dang. Um, you know, Boozer played very well under him too, even though he was a veteran. And then you got you know now you know the talk of the NBA recently and Jimmy. Butler, who learned from him, and yep. um, you know, I think I think if you look at that, you know, if you he took what like Thibodeau taught him to other places, and it finally worked in Miami. But like you know, right. he brings a very very strong work ethic, and I think that's what Thibodeau brings to the floor is that he's a coach that makes everyone play extremely hard, um, and and that's a good thing I think for a very young team um that we have um and it's only going to get younger with like we said the eighth overall pick unless they trade up or trade down or whatever the case might be we do um, have another first round or two from yeah. uh from uh the clippers yeah. 27th in the yeah. morris deal so who knows so, yeah. that as well yeah so you know like we said we're only going to get younger i think i know that there was a report that came out that like they're willing to take on bad contracts if they get assets so <laughs> I wonder what's going to go there. Chris um, Paul coming? Yeah, I, I have no like idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That's been a rumor for like months. I don't know if it's going to happen, um, but um, we'll see. I, I think he was the right guy to bring in. I, I, I know uh, Coach Miller, you know, who's the interim head coach for the Knicks. Uh, when I interned with the Westchester Knicks and yeah, the production yeah. company there, uh, he's a great guy. Um, he's, he's very nice. Like, always said hi to the production crew every time he, ste- you know, walked into the theater arena. Um, he's very, you know, nice guy to talk to and, and be along with. So, you know, I hope he gets a shot that line. I think he's a, he's a good head coach. Um, I don't know if he's going to be on – I don't know if they said he's going to be on Thibodeau's staff. I don't know. Um, um, yeah. According to this – He's not listed on the staff. We have okay. Mike Woodson coming back. Yep, Kenny which I'm, I'm happy about. I love. I always love Mike Woodson. I think he kind of got hosed out of New York. Oh, bro, we haven't right. we haven't been good since. We yeah. have not been no. nowhere close <laughs> that day. And uh, oh, the good old days. I really pre- 
look, I should appreciate those more who <laughs> are far from yeah. it. And, uh, but yeah, Joni Bryant's going to be assistant head coach, Andy Greer as well. So, uh, why not? I, if yeah. we could just get it AC, cause you know, I really, every single Knicks fan in my life has stayed, has run away from them, except really you, even Spike Lee's having his doubts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a diehard fan of all these teams, you know, you know me, like, you know the teams are you know I, I root for like the losers of New York if you want to classify it yeah, that way. You know I'm Mets a fan. Nets, Knicks. You know and the Rangers have been good, um, but you know like I said, I'm not a hockey, so I'm not a diehard fan there. But I'm a diehard fan of the Knicks, the Mets, mm-hmm. and the Giants. And tell me what they've done over the last you know five years, <laughs> other than the Mets being in the World Series in 2015. They have always disappointed the last, you know, couple seasons. And, you know, we know the sad state of the Giants right now yeah. and the sad state of the Knicks. But I think this hopefully turns the corner around for the Knicks. Like I said, I like Tom Thibodeau. I like bringing Woodson back. He's always mm-hmm. a defensive guy. I think we need that um, on this team. You know, we have a lot of good de- defensive players. Like I said, Frank DiVacchino is very good defensively. Um, you know, and I think that if, you know, I think they, 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 if they establish an offense that is, is fast-paced, because, like I said, they're young, and, you know, moves the ball around, I think would be good. I, you know, I know a lot of people will want to give up on Julius Randle a year in to his contract. I like a this contract signing. signing. <laughs> you know, he was a big signing a few seasons ago. I, I like him. I think he's a very good player. Um, I just was saying, you know, to a couple people that it's just that he's not an ISO player. He's a very, very good, like, second – tier like off the ball kind of guy like last year we're just trying to make him this iso like score and that's not who he is like if you look back on the pelicans like he was great because he was right next to anthony davis and playing secondhand anthony davis and we all know how good of a player anthony davis is and how good of a passer he is and the team around him like if you if you just make him pick and roll all that stuff get him the ball down whatever Instead of making him like this ISO score, I think everything can be beneficial. This is that last season where there was too much emphasis on him just being our primary score. And I don't think that's going to work. You know, I, you know, just the way he plays. I think he's a very good, you know, pick and roll player, pick a pop player, can get to the basket, you know. Um, but I think if we just develop some more kind of free flowing offense and, and move the ball around, um, I think it would be a little bit more beneficial for his sake and everyone else's sake. You know, we saw what happens when Mitchell Robinson is coming off a, you know, pick, he throws down dunks, you know, he's great. Oh, yeah. And, and if RJ Barrett continues to develop his jump shot, I think we'll be fine. It's just that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, this is going to be a crazy off season. Um, and a short one too. On. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely a shorter one. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this is all going to work out. So at the moment, the NBA is, uh, they're looking at the, the week of Christmas. Yeah. I think it's December. I think there's December 22nd. Yeah. And I think the players want more of Martin Luther King Day, which is January 18th, I believe. Okay. Um, so I, I think that we, we haven't heard it from me. Like, you know, like I said, I, I don't really get like official word of work and stuff, but um, I think that's going to be, it's going to be December or, or January. I, I, I'm more of having it on Martin Luther King Day, you know, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm big for, you know, social justice yep. and all that um, with my background. So I think it'd be really cool to focus like NBA tip off around social justice on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, I think that'd be really cool. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But again, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> it's October 30th and, you know, you might have an off season that's two, two months. Two, yeah. Two, I, three months, you know, so that's without like training camp and whatever the case might be. So it could be even shorter 
than what we think of. You know, your free agent window can be shorter. You know, all this stuff with trades can be shorter. You know, so it's going to be very, very interesting to see what, what happens this offseason because, like you said, it's going to be like two months offseason, tip off. So it's, you know, at best two mm-hmm. months. So. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think Martin Luther King would be a great sense of symbolism. Um, you know, we'll see where what happens to the election results and how that can probably be a celebrated part as well. And I know the NBA really, you know, it's tough with this pandemic. But I think it's it's fair to say, even though, I mean. Don't take the risk if you don't have to, but the NBA needs fans for the simple sense of revenue. I think they can lose. I read a report that the NBA can lose as much as 40% of the revenue if they can't let fans in again. So they definitely need to be safe. Most of us safety Mm -hmm. number one, but you know, you just use that extra time to hopefully things can improve. We'll see how, you know, where we're at amongst the pandemic and what phases we're in. But I think it'd be beneficial too for the fan, for the fan's sake. And, uh, you know, they could get the money that they need to make up, you know? Yeah, I think that's for sure. I think the key thing was uh, just looking back on this year, just the success, the overall success of the bubble um, is something oh, yeah. not to, to, to look away from. Um, you know, there's reports, that, you know, they saved $1.5 billion based off that, based off TV contracts and sponsorships, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just the success of the bubble in terms of out of the whole time they were there, which is like 70 plus days, um, they had no positive tests, um, was awesome and, and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, I don't think we're going to have a bubble 2.0, but, <laughs> um, as cool as I think, I think that was, um, like you said, I, I think if they can find a way safely to have fans, that'd be great. But I don't think, it, you know, like we said, it, it depends on the risk. Um, you know, the reason why, you know, if you look at it, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend about this. If you look at it, you know, the reason why, you know, the NFL and, and MLB had some fans is because it was more uh, open arenas. Yep. Whereas the NBA is more closed. Or all of them are closed, I should yeah. say. Um, so there's just a, a risk in terms of, you know, ventilation and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and how many people can you have safely inside an indoor arena at this point? So I think... It, I think I don't know if right away they're going to have fans. I know the the thing that stinks is you know like you said the loss of revenue um, you know impacts everyone, including me. You yeah, know, yeah, you, like you need to be um, So we'll see. I, I think you know like we said we kind of just have to take you know like everything with the pandemic, take it day by day and and, mm-hmm. and figure out a way if it's safely you can have you know a couple thousand fans in the arena, that'd be great. But if it's not worth the risk, there's no reason to do it. You know, yeah. if, if, like I said, the cool thing about the bubble, a lot of people don't realize is that um, the reason why they may have saved a good amount of money was because the local markets were able to do their broadcasts. Yeah. Um, that's the key. The TV contract. From the bubble. So, you know, the bucks were doing, you know, like this really cool, like they were in Pfizer forum, but you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. the, the game was happening in the bubble, and you Same had that Brooklyn contract. Nets. Brooklyn uh, Nets. All the teams are you know that were in the bubble were able to still do their local contracts. It wasn't like okay, ESPN NBA marathon from eight in the morning till ten o'clock at night when you're going to have games back to back. It was like okay, you know, the Thunder can still have their games, the Bucks can still have the games, the Spurs can still have the games. So. You know, I, I think the revenue will be, will be there from that still, which is great. Um, but like I, like you said, if it'd be great to have fans because it brings back a little bit of normalcy and, and obviously helps out with what to do in the arenas during game breaks. But, mm. 
But if the risk, if it's too risky right now, it's not worth it. If it's something down the line, like come playoffs maybe, and and, and everything's looking better and there's ways you can have rapid testing and, and then all that stuff, then I think that'd be kind of a cool option to have just to have fans for like the postseason. But I guess it's like we said with the fan, it was just more as a wait and see approach right now for sure. So fingers crossed with that. Fingers crossed. Now, I definitely want to talk with your other two te- your two sp- teams. Let's go with the more negative one, and then we'll go with the more promising. So sure. with that, you probably still talk about the New York Giants. It's affecting the both of us. You know, I've talked to people who have, you know, really don't think that things need to be changed, and some think say be patient, be optimistic. Where are you at with the state of the New York Giants football right now? Is there about to go play the Bucks on Monday night? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm more. I'm more like a little bit optimistic. Looking at everything, is just that there's some things that have to be changed, and I think the, the key thing is is, is Gettleman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how my feelings are towards him. I'm not going to say anything bad about him, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I think that at this point, if you look at the roster. And look how the, the state of football is. You want a, probably a younger football mind in, in control. Now, the problem is yeah. now is that if, if the Giants are going to look in house or are they going to look out? And, I, and um, you know, there's a lot of pieces on this team that I'm optimistic about that, that, that we've seen. I think James Bradbury has been a great signing. Yep. I think Blake Martinez has been a great signing. Um, Logan Ryan uh, has know, been a great signing. Logan too. Ryan's been, been very solid. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, our defenses look good. I don't think over the last, what, probably five seasons now, people have been talking about our defense. But now this year, we're, you know, like we said, if you take out the 49ers game, we're like a top 15 defense. They're playing very, very hard with Joe Judge, and they're playing very hard on the ground, which is great to see. There's great young pieces, but there's improvements there. I think, obviously, you know, we've talked probably talked about this on the radio show for God knows how long we've during college. But the state of the linebackers, we haven't had a dominant (laughs) linebacker for, I feel like, 15 years now. Um, and our offensive yeah, what's line. Yeah, was it since Antonio Pierce? Has it been that long? Yeah, I, I think Antonio Pierce. Even if you put, like, Chase Blackburn about people. I mean, he makes yeah. the key plays in the Super Bowl. But, like, he was, like, our last decent linebacker. Um, so, it's been a long time. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, you look at offense again. This time and time again, the <laughs> offensive line is just letting us down. Um, <laughs> and that's been supposed to be supposed to be fixed for the last – Three years now under Gettleman, nothing has changed. and No matter who they play. No matter who they um, And it's been bad. And, and then I think, you know, me and you have talked <laughs> about Daniel Jones. Um, I'm a believer. <laughs> I still am a believer in Daniel Jones. I think it's, he's, he has all the tools to be successful in, 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 in this league. Um, the problem is, like we go back to, is the offensive line again. And I understand people are like, you know, turnovers, yes. The turnovers have to cut down. But they have cut down this year. But, like, if you look, and when he has time in the pocket, he's making great plays. He had a like he had a ninety yard run. Yes, he fell flat on his face, but you know, or eighty yard run. But he's showing his elements, and he, yeah. when he has time, he makes the plays. He's looking at his progression rates have been a lot better, and all that stuff. But then you look, Evan Ingram again, like. Yeah, you, he, that was Evan Ingram's uh, fault, not Daniel like Jones. The, two, the, the pick last game, you know, I know he can't he, – he, Daniel Jones threw that hot. But, again, Evan Ingram should bat that thing down, not try to alligator arm it, and it pops straight up in the air. <laughs> and then, again, Daniel Jones put that ball right on the money on third and seven, pretty much iced the game, and, and Ingram dropped. And oh, they cringed, bro. It, it bothers me that we've heard for, like – all the time that everyone was here is just the promise and and the potential, the potential, the potential, the potential, the potential. And every time, like, there's a key moment that he's involved in, 
he doesn't come up at the moment. And, 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 and that's the thing. It's like, how, how can Damon Jones be confident try, throwing the ball to a guy who's supposedly, you know, one of our best weapons and he can't come up with it. For years or, talking about how good for he years. is. Yeah. And, and he, and it's, it's been, uh, just been a mess. And, and then, you know, Daniel and I, I talked to my dad about this, you know, my dad's been a season ticket holder now for the Giants for like, you know, 50 plus seasons. It's, you yeah. know, since his family had it, we've had it for years. Is, is, what, is it, this is the, I was going to say, is it, this is Yankee stadium yeah. polo ground? Yeah. It's, it's, it's been the, since the polo ground there. So, you know, my dad's a diehard Giants fan and it's like, I'm trying to tell him, it's like, you know, with Daniel is that it's kind of hard when you call hike and, you, you already have three people surrounding your face. Just like, look look back on the Steelers game with Saquon, right? Like, Daniel called Hike and handed the ball to Saquon, and there was four members of the Steelers, like, mm-hmm. already in his face. How are like, you going to have a successful offense? Watts jumping on him. Yeah. And like, like D- Bud Dupree was playing out of his mind that game. Like, how are you going to be successful if you have two seconds to make a read and throw the ball? Like, it's just – No one can be. It goes – no Montana. Oh. Yeah, and, and, and everyone's trying to give up on Daniel already, and I understand – Trevor Lawrence looks like an unbelievable pick. Don't get me wrong. He is probably a far and far away better prospect than Daniel Jones. But if we somehow manage to get the first pick, which I don't think we do. I don't. I think the Jets are going to run away with the first pick. That's all pick. Jets. They um, could take it. Yeah. Or the Falcons like, will beat us to it. <laughs> yeah, but what Giants fans aren't realizing is that even if we draft Trevor Lawrence and we trade Daniel – we're going to still be in the same position we are in right now. It's going to be – Trevor's going to have the same issues because he has a good offensive line at Clemson. He comes here, he's going to have the same thing. He's going to have three or four seconds to make a read, and he's going to struggle. It's like nothing's going to do – we're not going to do well offensively until we have the offensive lines that we used to have when we won two Super Bowls, when we had David Deal, you know, when we Sean had Sean mm-hmm. when we had the big guys – These key guys on the offensive line like and we haven't had that since them since they've retired like everything's falling apart and and like I said the thing that frustrates me the most is that you know we're almost 10 years removed from a Super Bowl and we go from a Super Bowl caliber team to the one of the worst teams in football in just 10 years and it just shows that that the franchise has fallen apart and and it's it's sad (laughs) it's it's frustrating especially these last four seasons because time and time again, we draft these guys that have such promise. Like I wasn't a believer in Daniel Jones, but that rookie year, he made me a believer. I said, he has all the tools to make things work and he still does. And Saquon as well. And, you know, time and time again, it's like the team just doesn't, build around it's the same thing and look at you look literally across the hallway with the jets it's like sam Darnold came in and he showed all this promise but you don't build a team around them like and that's why these both teams are struggling is that they are not building around their key guys that you're building around like get all we're gonna bring in hog mollies but who can you name on the offensive line that's been solid world hernandez and now now unfortunately has COVID, and i hope i wish i wish he gets well soon absolutely like he he's been very solid but now he's like he's regressed (laughs) You know, like he's had done first, well. He started yeah. getting penalties. Now that was one thing he never would get yeah. penalties. He got a couple yeah. against no. Billy. And then you you know look at Andrew Thomas, and I love him. I'm, I'm, I root for Georgia. I, I'm a big Georgia you know football fan. Um, I loved him out of college, and I was happy the Giants took him. But there's something going on there, technique wise. We saw that there was that report about him, you know, changing his technique from college. And I don't know if that's you know the offensive line coach, whatever the case might be. But he looks lost as a rookie right now, um, and I hope he turns things around. I, I, and people are trying to give you know give up on Thomas already. We're seven games in, yeah, in, or whatever we're in. We don't have we're Eric Flowers yet. I don't whatever. want the Eric Flowers comparison. Yeah, we don't have Eric Flowers yet, but people are like trade him. 
He's a rookie. And, and you also forget, you know, everyone, all these Giants fans are saying give up on everyone. You also have to realize we didn't have an offseason. We didn't have OTAs. We didn't have nope. training camp. We jumped straight into the season. So, of course, a rookie that doesn't have practice or like barely an offseason to learn everything is going to struggle right away. Like, if you look, and that's the thing. You know, we could talk, I could talk about Giants fans for hours right now, but everyone, and I understand it's very, very frustrating, but you can't like, everyone's like give up on Jones without realizing that we'll be in the same spot. If we if we took a different quarterback, give up on Andrew Thomas. He's a rookie that didn't have an off season. Give up on these players. Like you have to give it a little bit of time, but I think that we need a different general manager at the end of the day. We, we need a different leader at the end of the day. I think that's the key thing for the Giants is I think they need a new voice. And I like Joe Judge. I hope he stays. I don't, you know, I, if they bring it, that's the thing. I think the, the reason why they might stay in house is because if they go out of house, then the new GM might want to bring in a different guy. But I yeah. think Joe Judge is our guy. Um, you know, our record doesn't show it, but <laughs> the team has played drastically better in a season. And I'll, and I'll be it, you know, we don't have a good record, but they played drastically better on paper. If you look, I think we lost like five games this year and it was a turn by like seven or less points. Yes. That's the exact stat. Every seven but it's better than getting blown out. And then just the- <laughs> like we used to, <laughs> you're right. That's the thing. We're always in these games. And sometimes in sports, it really is a matter of sometimes the ball has to just roll a certain way in your favor. It really seems yeah. lately the giants that yeah. hasn't been that yeah. way. And if you look, if yeah, if you look at all the stuff this season, Ingram drop. There was a couple other key players that we didn't convert on. People drop. It's just like and people's got to drop. We have another win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the penalty stop. And and also, if you look like the Steelers game, if Jones if Jones just throws it away and doesn't get popped as he's trying to force a play and that gets picked off, we're taking the lead against the Steelers and have the momentum. So. You know, oh, yeah. there's just certain things like just the ball hasn't rolled away for Giants, and but at least they're in games. That's the thing. You know, if you look at the last few years, like you said, like we just you should get blown out. It's like we need to go in the game. We're, that this is that's like, the Jets we, problem. You know, we they're went just, like the Rams a couple years ago. Yeah, that's the Jets. They're what the, the, get, the Jets problem. Yeah, that, that's the one. They're just getting blown out and. They're just, yeah. just depressing football. Well, we just, you know, I have been very critical with the Giants lately, especially in this podcast, but now starting to really more, I guess there's really only, go, you know, really reevaluating things and knowing, um, probably staying corrected, that if we are playing much better than we've seen and also seeing that we are in all the games except the 49ers one, but, you know, we can only go up from here. We can see uh, some adjustments. Who knows what can happen? And uh, with the defense, with the um, uh, the defense, the uh, division being so awful, yeah, you never know. There's still there's still ten weeks to it's, go. It's yeah, it's crazy to me that we're you know we have ten weeks to go and we still have a shot at <laughs> the NFC East and we're one in six or wherever we are. Like that just shows up at the NFC East has been this year. Yeah, we're definitely not winning a wild card with this, no. even with the second one, but. No. We got to get that East and yeah. we just have to win games at the end of the day. Just keep winning games. And, uh, you know, definitely if we could beat uh, Tom Brady in our own place, that's a good start. And, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's going to happen without having uh, Will Hernandez again, you know, even yeah. though he's been great, but it, I, I, you know, we'll see. It could, it could happen. You know, you don't know. This is just me being Brady. a hopeless romantic in football. We've, we've had, we've had Brady's number before. We could, we could possibly, <laughs> uh, do it again. That's for sure. 
And my, my last football point with Trevor Lawrence, and one thing I really didn't consider until someone brought it up in a previous podcast. Mm. The only thing that kind of contradicts is that he did win a national championship. <laughs> but most of his games are against the ACC. And when it comes to football ACC, you know, it's, with all due respect, there's some good schools or programs, but it's not like, you know, SEC, where every team is pretty much just an NFL minor league team, whether it's BC or North Carolina, Georgia Tech, you know, Florida State. I know Miami's better than yeah. than they have been lately, and then uh, Notre Dame is just independent. But um, do you think that it makes any difference of uh, showing Trevor Lawrence's credibility, or do you think that's just the, was the person who brought it up? Um, just a you know. Well, I should like like. What, do you think just bringing it up, like, oh, he's the ACC. He's not seen as hard competition in the NFL. No, I, I think the ACC is still a decent conference. I mean, just the things he's done. It just if you look at it, even if just the college football, like the college football playoffs, is a completely different ball game with the teams that you're playing against. Yeah, and like I said, he's he won the national championship before. He's won a national championship. So like, you know, that's saying like Deshaun Watson just you know. Cruise his way to national <laughs> like he had to prove he's a winner, and he did. And and Trevor Lawrence has proved that he's a winner. It's you know I understand it's not the SEC and it's it's not a tough conference, but you still have to show out you know yeah. every Saturday you're on the field, and he's done that. And I and I think you know in the big moments he's played extremely well. It's not like he's struggled in the big moments. If he struggled in the in the in the big moments, you know that'd be a different story, you know, and LSU is, you know, all that stuff. That's tough. That's just a tough game to play against. And Joe Burrow was playing out of his mind, mm-hmm. but it's just that, it's just that like, if you look at, you know, certain things is that he showed up in those big moments and, and I don't right. think you should discredit him for that. Um, and like I said, he just has the stature of just being a franchise quarterback, the size, the arm strength, everything, the accuracy, everything you want to see, you know, he's probably one of the best college football prospects we've seen. And, and, like you said, we've seen him in those moments. If he never made it to like a college football playoff, that's a different story. Like, you know, you can probably argue, make that argument, but I, I think, you know, just that when, when oh, lights were all on him and he came out and balled out, I think it just showed that he's how good of a quarterback he can be. Mm-hmm. No doubt, bro. No doubt. And we'll, we'll see where he goes and just hopefully most of all, just recovers from Corona and then uh, starts yeah, his, starts it. on the process of uh, being that, major recruit the compared to like Elway and Peyton coming out. Yeah, he's being compared to Elway and Peyton and, and Andrew Luck and all them. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see if he lives up to the hype. I think he has all the all the tools to definitely live up to it though. Yes, yes. And last thing, the the positive sports thing, and then we could get into some more uh other funny practical things. You're as you mentioned, a New York Mets fan. Today, this yes, very sir. day, it looks like the owners are going to approve Steve Cohen as the new owner of the New York Mets with the exception of seeing, you know, Bill de Blasio wants to stop that, but I don't think he'd be, I really, I don't, yeah, I don't think he'd he, be he can't to. be that stupid. To, he doesn't really want to piss off people that much more. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I don't know. Cause I live in New Jersey. So I don't really, I don't really know uh, how he is. But once I saw that as a best fan, I'm like, please, just please just give this, just, just give us this, just give like, this is the moment we've been waiting for, for, for forever at this point, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we just want this one moment. It's like, you know, we all got happy a couple months ago. It's like, okay, this deal's final. Steve Cohen's our guy. He's going to bring all this glorious money to our, our franchise. Beautiful money. Yeah, all this beautiful money, and we're going to have so much fun. And 
then it got then you know all that stuff happened with the will ponds and it fell through and then, <laughs> then it's I like i was just like so we're so sad i was like my dad me and my dad were like we're very upset <laughs> and then and then it's like this these last few months it's like, okay it's final like the their deals had we don't have to deal with a rod or j-lo this is it it's Cohen, <laughs> no one else and of course it's like right when we get to the finish line the blasio is like i don't know if i want to approve this and we're like Come on, we we're so close. We are right here. We're at the finish line. What do you have to gain from Perfect. that? If he I was have no idea. That. I have no idea. It I know his sense. His mayoral. I know his uh, term in as mayor will end twenty twenty one. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's just that's just not fair. It it, it is common. No offense. It's hilarious to watch. How could you get just so close and? I don't it just know. happens every time. It just it just it just happens. It just this the life of being a Mets fan, Matt. That's as simply as like <laughs> what it, it is. Life of being a Mets fan is that we look like we're like so close to being good or decent or whatever or having a new owner, and then something happens because we're the Mets. It's it's just it's just our life story. It's just we get so close, and then it just everything falls apart. It's just it's just yeah. It's it's been a struggle for sure. Um, but yeah. <coughs> You know, like, as you know, my dad's a Mets fan, my family, and I was bound, born to be a Mets fan, but I just went to a Yankee game first and just stuck yeah. with it. And I wonder, that was one of the biggest days of my childhood. Yeah. It literally, it was supposed to be, um, I'm supposed to be a Mets fan. I just went to a Yankee game first and <laughs> stayed there ever since. Yeah. But, um, you know, assuming everything's going to go, and really it's the 5% chance de Blasio will do that. Yeah. But assuming Cohen comes in to starting today and he uh, is the owner. Now he's – I saw that he's going to be worth – he's worth $13 billion yep. And, like, the second richest owner – In all sports. Yeah, yeah, $3 billion. So he has yeah. quite an edge. Yeah. The team is looking good. And, and mm-hmm. it's funny. It's all homegrown guys. You're um, Pete Alonzo's. You're Jeff McNeil's. Conforto's. Conforto. Andres Jimenez looked good in his little sample size this yeah. year. I like him a lot. So. If they bring the DH in, you know, you have Dom Smith now, doesn't have to compete yeah. for a position. What is um? What would you like to see the Mets do this offseason? Get a catcher. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the big thing. I know they declined Wilson Ramos. I think that's been one of our weaknesses. Um, you know, the last few years has been catcher. Does that mean we go out and get GT, JT Rimoto? I wouldn't mind it. But it depends, you know, he's turn, about to turn 30, and I think he wants like $200 million. So <laughs> that's a lot uh, for an aging catcher. Um, yeah, I mean, he's good, but not, not that good. No offense yeah, to him. No. Uh, not $200 I think, million I, dollar good. No, I think I think he's one of the best catchers in baseball, maybe the best catcher in the NL. But it's just that if you look at just like 30 as a catcher with $200 million and all that stuff that's got to locked up, you know, a lot in terms of what you're trying to do for the Mets. Um, so I think there might be a couple better, cheaper options. I know Mets fans had said if we can't go Rimuto, sign James McCann. I like, I would like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need a true center fielder. Um, you know, I love Brandon Nemo, but he's not a center fielder. <laughs> um, so I think we need like a true defensive guy, whether that's Springer, which I don't know if I want because of everything that happened, you know, with the Astros. <laughs> um, but uh, you saw, wait, but, did, you don't mean to sidetrack. You saw AJ Hinch is going to the Tigers. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's you can make them to see. I was surprised <laughs> back. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I saw you got the Tigers. I'm like, oh, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that like the MLB team didn't wait like a few more years to kind of let everything settle and then bring back AJ Hinch. They're like, nah, oh. this is banned. 
Come, come to the Tigers. The Tigers um, are desperate as jokes. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, no, yeah, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, so so I think we need a true defensive center fielder. I know there's a good couple options out there. I know Jack Bell Jr. has been floated around. I know even – That'd you know, cool. trading for Starling Martez in the last few, few years. I like Jack Bradley Jr. I think that could be a, a good signing. We just need a guy out there, uh, um, you know, just to help out. And then, you know, either we could kick, you know, Nemo to left and and have Conforto stay in right. I think that's fine. Um, and, you know, third base has been another kind of issue the last few years, you know, obviously with David Wright retiring and his, you know, health issues. Um, I like J.D. Davis and, and things like that. But it's like we need we need like true – guys in their positions like we're constantly moving like mcneil to like outfield back <laughs> to second back to third or first you know so we need like true guys and 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 i think that really the team and starting pitching it's like that that's the last thing too it's like we're wasting years of 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 the grom which yeah. which stinks you know with someone as dominant as him it's like you need guys to back him up. And 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 I understand, too, if you look at everything, like pe- you know, the offense, like, never shows up when he pitches, which that has to change, too. But we need guys to back him up. It's not like, you know, because we can't wish every fifth day when the ground's on the hill that <laughs> this is an automatic win. It just doesn't happen. And so we need guys to back him up. And, and I know, you know, I like Syndergaard. Um, I know he's coming off Tommy John. We'll see what happens when he comes back. Um, but, you know, I know, like, Marcus Stroman is looking for big money in the offseason and – Stuff like that. I know, like Mets fans want to go Trevor Bauer because I know he's been saying he wants to do these like kind of one one year deal kind of things, which would be interesting. I wouldn't mind having him, but we definitely need to this, this study that. And and obviously, at the end of the day, is the bullpen too. I, Edwin Diaz looked really good um, uh-huh. this year compared to last year. I know he had his moments early on, but he looked yeah. a lot better. Like he was finally getting the confidence back to being the dominant closer he was with the Mariners. I'm happy to see that, but we definitely need a few arms to help him out too. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we struggled down the stretch was that we didn't have Edwin, which was shocking because people were like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but like when the crucial games we needed down the stretch, we pitched Edwin on the third day in a row. So he was out for a couple crucial games that we needed him to have those saves. So, you know, we definitely need another arm. So they're probably out of all of the teams I root for, like the most promising to be successful because like you said, there's a lot of really, really good young homegrown talent on that team it's just that we need a couple more key pieces out there and 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 you know we'll be fine it's just that like that's the thing like if we don't have the dh this year it's like what are you going to do with dom like mm-hmm. if pete's struggling are we going to have dom in for a few days and pete sit for a few days like i don't want dom in the out like i like i i love dom as a first baseman i think he's a really good defensive first baseman too i think people don't see that but like in left field, he struggled. It's kind of hard to just do like a patchwork move in the left field kind of deal. Um, and I want him out there, but that's the thing. It's like, okay, Pete is really, really good. I know he struggled this year, but like he's really, he has all the promise in the world and we want him out there on the field. But like Dom had one of his best years, if not his best year of his career and showed what he could do offensively. And we want that in the lineup. So it's like very tough to see what this offseason is going to bring. You know, does that mean like, you know, we get a center fielder and then we trade Nemo and then maybe try to just really, really get Dom Smith reps and left. Like, who knows? That's the thing. It's like, there's the good thing is that their depth on this team is just that, like I said, there's just a couple key, key pieces they have to attack starting, you know, rotation probably being the key catcher and bullpen that hopefully with Cohen's, like we said, beautiful money. He's, he brings a lot of key pieces and it's not like more of, okay, let's give these guys cheap one year, 
two-year deals and slap together a team. Like Rick Porcello was a failed experiment. <laughs> That's like that was like one of the things that okay, we'll give him like a ten million dollar deal. Let's see what he can do. Like we need guys that money, you know yeah. can be out there and, and be consistent out there. You know. That's that's the key thing. It's not. It's it's hard that like you know we have you know just the Grom right now because if you look, Matt was a disaster. Syndergaard was out and Stroman opted out. So it's like if we don't build it up, you know we're gonna obviously struggle. So I hope that's kind of the plan for the off season is is, is that because I think like I said, they're probably out of all my teams the most promising to be successful and they're just a few pieces away so we'll have to see so like i said it's gonna be interesting because they're gonna have a rushed off season as well and with cone coming in it's like gonna be super quick because we don't know when the next season is gonna start so we'll have to wait and see it's gonna be interesting for sure though do you think brody van wagenen should get the boat as the gm the boot yeah mm-hmm. I, I i think i think so i just don't think that with cohen coming in that he's going to have former people from the, the, the wolf hunter. I know that he's bringing back Sandy um, Anderson, which is great. I, li- I like that move. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think Brody will probably be gone. He might stay in like a team role, but I think he'll probably be gone. I think they're probably just going to bring in their own guys. And, mm-hmm. and it's nothing against Brody. I understand that the moves that he made at the time, because like I said, there were a few pieces away from being successful. They just backfired. And when backfired for the beginning, at least Robinson Cano backfired in the beginning, but now he's tur- he turned kind of back around. But like, if you just look at some of the moves, he traded like a bunch of prospects away. Oh yeah. That guy they- got no returns. And, you know, we traded like Billy Hamilton for a prospect, and <laughs> we DFA Billy Hamilton. Oh, so, I'm like, sorry. That's, I'm sorry to laugh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's like, what no, a, no, no, oh no. boy, like, dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I understood some of the moves he made early on, but then there were some down the line where I'm like, it doesn't make sense. He's hit on some of them. JD Davis has been good when, like, they, you know, doing that. But, like, overwhelmingly, him cleaning house. Our, our prospects and, 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 and all that, our farm system has not worked out. I think we just need a guy to come in that will be more a little like straightforward with the decisions he makes and hopefully doesn't give up, you know, a bunch of top prospects, yep. you know, down the line because we need them. So I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be cool if you had Theo Epstein come in. I know his contract is ending for the cause. Yeah. He could do the, the three P the three in three major yeah. cities to have, starving franchises win that would be if he was up for the challenge and just be royalty for yeah, I would love sports that. executives I love that. like, that's the guy yeah. like yeah uh, that's a, that's the guy I would love to have in like Theo would be like the perfect idea for me to bring in because he obviously has done it in now multiple franchises mm-hmm. especially the Cubs which like that was a tough job obviously <laughs> because they didn't win a World Series for a hundred plus years and he yeah. comes in and <laughs> turns that whole franchise around so that's a guy i would love you know in that in that yeah that five-year span that he had and all that stuff and like you know he, he made the bet you know if i don't win like a world series or whatever in 10 years i'll be gone and he won a world series so like he bets on himself and i like that like that's a thing so that'd be a guy but we'll see what happens i know you know sandy would be coming in and, and you know he built obviously a lot of this team that we see today so he obviously has an eye um for talent so We'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens down the line. Yeah, and with like the Yankees now, um, it's been a, it's been, you know, I'm not, not trying to. Uh, the, my Yankees problems are nowhere close, and we, I've, it's been 12 years, but you know, it's a long time for Yankees at least, but it's uh, 12 years a good yeah. amount, and um, well, 
we've seen this has been some very tough layoff losses. Chapman, two season-ending home yeah. runs back-to-back, which I don't, no one's ever done that. Yeah. And if you and count then he's the... Smi- he's smiling, too. That, that's the thing. I, I cracked up because someone did a side-by-side of him, like, smiling after he did that. And, like, that's the thing. I would be furious. Like, I don't know how you just, like, kind of just, like... You know, it's, it's, ha- it's happened again. I'm just gonna, you know, just smile and walk away. Yeah, I understand, like, like that. why are you that's laughing at this? That's different because, like, you look back at it now. It's like, oh, okay, that's like, you know, whatever. They're kind of. Cheating, oh yeah, but, he but knew. Like, he knew. That's why he laughed at that. Knew. That's why I gave him back. I did not give him this. This the third. But this time yeah, against the Rays, like, no, I was pissed. Yeah. So this time around, I'm like, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you shouldn't. You shouldn't be smiling. You know. Albeit, I know, you know, it was against like probably your biggest rival this playoffs, but mm-hmm. yeah, just time and time again, it's like you guys have all the promise and everything right there, and it just doesn't work out. You guys yeah. run into a buzzsaw, the hottest team, and this year we just right. happened to be Tampa. So, and with you know, I don't want Chapman in the closer role. That's three. If you count the Cubs giving up the game tying home run, that's three times the charm in the biggest spots. Why should we give him a chance? They literally, yeah. Three times is enough. Literally, thir- three strikes, pun intended. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I want, you know, Yankees did. Re- they're gonna exercise Britain's contract. I hope he goes in the closer role. To be honest, and have Cat Chapman be a setup man. I hope they switch. It seems to make the most sense. Yeah. After that, um, I do want to. I do have to say we have a lot of promise, but we have players who are sink or swim. Judge Stanton and Voight. They'll either hit yeah. clutch home runs or they'll badly strike out. Stanton's yeah. massive contract, no one's stupid enough to touch that. So, so yeah. he's he, we're stuck with you. You, you, you're, you're there for the long haul. Them, albeit he had an unbelievable postseason this year. Finally, which is like what what you guys were paying him to do? Exactly. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he he continues that into next season and hopefully stays healthy. It's just you know, like we said, it's like with Judge and Stanton. It's like the problem is that you guys can be so dominant, but they always get hurt. Yep. That's the problem with those two. So it's sad yeah. to see that it looks like Judge is an injury prone player officially. Yeah. And then we have um you know, I honestly would trade Voigt. I know he had an amazing season this year, but I'd rather just trade him for an asset, whether the bullpen or someone to add to the bullpen or a left handed bat most of all. Resign Didi to Gregorius would be great. Even for a one-year deal, put Glaber back at second and put DJ at first, and then Gio staying at third. I'd like to see Michael Brantley come to the Yankees as a left fielder. I yeah, think he's a, a lefty timing. bat, it's more of a contact hitter, so we don't have to focus another guy who's who's a sinker swim and he could be good defensively yeah. as well. So that's who I hope the Yankees do. Of course, Cashman never does what what we think he will yeah. do, except Garrett Cole. <laughs> And he proved himself. He did his job in Game Five. We Mm. the hitters didn't. So, and I'm not. I'm not actually mad at Boone. I know a lot of Yankee fans are. Like Aaron Boone is, you know. Again, I I will have to. We we have to talk about this because it matches Mm. everything together. Analytics, secret metrics. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you're on with the fence at it, but I'm more old school. I like going off gut feelings. I understand sabermetrics for the regular season. I really do. But the postseason, no. I think this is a whole new game, different mentality. And we can see the ultimate example, game six. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell pitching the game of his life, try, and they have a lead. And just because he's about it the third time in the order, and analytics say you're more likely to have 
you, you're more likely to um, give up runs your third time around. But this is game six of the freaking World Series. Yeah. Who cares what they're thinking? You, you're trying to get force a game seven. Who cares what the computer says? And, Ka- and Kevin Cash said, you know, screw it. I'm going to take him out anyways. And what happens? Give up. First of all, they put the Babbitt levers in anyway. Nick Anderson was doing yeah, horrible. Awful on the postseason, yeah. And they give up three runs, and they lose the World Series simply because they relied on it one too many times, and it literally cost the dang World Series. So, I don't know. Again, I don't know how you're fused with sabermetrics, and that's also led to Boone making some questionable decisions, like taking Delvey Garcia out in game two, only pitching a couple of innings and stuff. But that's the one thing that I know Boone doesn't deserve any credit on. But besides that, he hasn't been shown he's – a good manager, but what what is what's your thought? Do you think um, you know, this proves this bad decision by Cash that you know don't focus on analytics or, or like approach them differently by by time you're in the postseason and stuff like that? Or basically, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely, I agree with you 100. I, I was literally talking to my dad about this uh, like the day after the World Series ended because he he was watching the game but he didn't understand like what happened in that moment. Um, so I told him, and he, my dad's the same way. He's old school like you. It's like, yeah, I said, at that moment, like, you have to go off your eye. It doesn't matter what the numbers are. It's the postseason elimination game. And I said the World problem series. that the whole this, yeah, the World Series, the problem with the whole decision behind that was it wasn't like you're going to your best, like, arguably your best reliever on paper, yes. But if you look at the postseason numbers, he was struggling. He gave up, like, six straight runs in six straight postseason games. Yeah. You can't make that decision. And, and like, I understand that Key was saying, like, oh, you know, third time over. That's fine in the regular season. This is the elimination game in the World Series, and no one is touching Blake Snell. And you yeah. look at some of the OPSs, I think I remember I heard, I don't know if it was Buck or whatever, but he said, if you look at some of the OPSs, like on the Dodgers side, they had some of the highest OPSs in World Series history, and Blake was shutting them down. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's Me and my dad agreed on that moment. You have to go off your eye. I know he gave up that single. I said, if he gives up another single, he gives up an extra base hit. Okay, maybe it's time to pull a plug on him. They're starting to see him. It's time to pull him. But you, if he, he is dominating, he just gave up a bloop single, and you're going to go to your guy who's given up six straight runs because the numbers is telling you that? You can't. You, you just can't. You can't. You have to use your judgment. Like you said, you have to go with your gut. And everyone's, that's why everyone got mad because everyone's gut decision was keep the guy out there. Let him get out of that inning. If he doesn't, if he, like I said, if he gives up another hit or whatever and he can't get out of the inning, okay, pull the plug. Get him out. It's over. He had a great start, but we got to move on. You pull them out early and then you go to your struggling reliever who instantly gives up the lead. So I said at that moment, I hope everyone, everyone in baseball and everyone in, in, in <laughs> analytics and sabermetrics and everything looks at that moment and says, okay, let's start using our eye a little bit more. Too. <laughs> not, let's just not look at the numbers. Let's just go use our eye in certain moments because that just showed like, I know great. The numbers are there, but it shows that it can instantly backfire and you have to use your eye. And especially in that huge of a moment, like, I can't look away at it. Like, it just, oh, Snell, like, I don't know what the numbers said on his card. Oh, maybe Snell struggled in the, the going third time around the loan or all regular season or postseason. But he's dominating this game. Keep him out there. Like, it just, and, and that's the thing. I, I went old, I told my dad, I said, I hope everyone's eye is that everyone starts using their eye a little bit and stop relying on the numbers. Because as great as the numbers were for the Rays in the regular season, and it's what got him there in the postseason got him there, at that moment, you have to use your eye. There's, you have to use your judgment. You just can't go, okay, you know, the third, the, the lineup's coming down third, third over, you know, 
they're going to start seeing snow. Let them start seeing snow. Let, if they hit off snow, pull them. That's all you have to do. You just can't take him out when he's having arguably the best game of the season. Like, his teammates are like, this is the best I saw Blake Snell all year. And they pulled him, and it cost him the World Series. Like, <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> like, and, he is and he has to live with it, that now. Him and he cost him. And he has to live with that. Like, that whole Cash franchise. Has to that. The, Rays, the Rays have to live with that. It's, Snell has to live with that. It, it's brutal. It's brutal because I honestly believe if Snell got out of the inning, they, they could have forced the game seven. It just how this just how good he was doing that whole game easily. And now you have to go back and race fans, race organization, cash. They're going to stay up at night because what if it's now the biggest, arguably now the most recent, what if probably oh, yeah. in sports right now is what if Blake Snell stayed in <laughs> and got out of the inning? Not even is not going to, is it going to be a thing until they win a world series, whenever that day happens. I mean, I hope not for a long time as a Yankee fan. But, um, <laughs> that's why I was happy to happy to see. And I have to say this, hope you don't mind me saying this. The only time recently it has been seen to go with your gut was Terry Collins and Matt Harvey. That's the only other time, <laughs> but that was just. <laughs> uh, that was another thing that would bother me too, is that, that, that the whole, during that time was the whole like innings limit. Yeah, stuff like that. Oh, he's getting close to his innings limit. If Harvey wants to stay out there, well, let's keep him out there. If he yeah. wants, if he wants to destroy, if he wants to go through his arm because he's, he's he wants to, let him. Let's still have that ring to show for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yo, man, let's talk to just a few, few other things uh, before we wrap this up. Um, yo. One of the things we have worked for major corporate, um, what, how do I say this? Cause we've worked for, uh, I think I was saying this right. Major retailers in this, or all right. We work for We've worked for major companies before college. You worked at Dunkin' Donuts, mm-hmm. obviously the coffee spot in the America <laughs> between them and Starbucks. And I've worked at Kohl's big, another big store across the United States retail store. Yo, man, tell me those times working at Duncan and my times working at Coles. What are those some of the funny? Th- well, first, what did it teach you working those those places like before college and stuff? And then when we talk about the funny stuff that's happened, I got I got uh, stuff to share. Uh, I mean, it taught me a, a good amount. I mean, uh, I worked at like a little like kind of smaller little like stat like stock shelf kind of things. Um, but we're gonna dug it. I don't know. It was an experience. It it it, it kind of it, it, like ironically kind of got me ready to work in sports, mm-hmm. like just and in television and in live TV, which is what we did in college. Uh, because it's super like people don't realize if you work at a drive through dunk, it is super fast paced. Like on the weekends, it's like slammed. You're constantly making mm-hmm. coffee all day. I mean, it just is what it was. Um, so it kind of got me ready for like that, like kind of like a fast paced movement. Uh, of television and live TV and stuff like that. As, as BNSB, I'm just pouring, you know, coffee in a mug. I just have, you have to do it quick and you have to do it to the customer satisfaction. Um, you know, it taught me obviously customer service, uh, you know, you know, teamwork, all that stuff. So, uh, it taught me a lot working there, uh, looking back at it now, like, was it the best job? No, but I got made <laughs> and I, I got free coffee, so it added hey. benefits. But uh, but no, for sure, it did teach me stuff. Because like I said, like people don't realize that you know those people are working really, really hard and really, really fast. And and there's customers out there that are like kind of mean and rude and stuff like that. But like if it, like I used to work like on Sundays from like six a.m. to like 
two in the afternoon. So I was working, you know, like literally opening through like church rush, all that stuff. And it is chaotic as can be. Is that what Um, they call it? Church rush? Yeah, it was pretty much like after church. I call that after church rush because you know it'd be like you know the you had the nine thirty, you know you had the ten thirty or like nine thirties, like you know noon, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of people coming. So you had to be you know kind of on your toes and ready to go, and and that's what kind of like I said multiple times, like it kind of got me ready for TV. It's just like because it's the same thing in that area. Like I'm working, you know, I worked had a lot of good opportunities working for the Westchester Knicks and learning a lot with, in their live production with Lurker Media, and and that taught me the same thing, like be on the fly. <laughs> something's messed up i'm out there like i, I was like mm-hmm. doing audio and all the stuff when i'm working in, in television and it's like i'm flying to the spot okay what's what's messed up what, what needs to get fixed and i'm running back and this can be all in a span of you know a minute like i have a, I have a commercial break to go from point a to point b fix it and back um so it kind of got me ready for that and uh you know i'm kind of appreciative looking back at it now um like i said like there's some good moments, there's good memories, but uh, you know, I was happy. I'm not, you know, you know, I'm happy I was able to move on and find other jobs and stuff like that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing also with Cole is teaching me patience. Also teaching me get ready for anything in a fast paced environment. As you know, us working in production and broadcasting media, that's nothing but that teaching me how to communicate with all different types of people. Is easily translated when you work with high-profiled um, individuals and executives and stuff like that. And it just taught me that I want to appreciate your job, appreciate where you are, and don't forget your roots, especially. Don't forget your roots. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, um, like I can go off that, like what you just said. It's like, you know, there's people these days that they're trying to get like the highest of the spots of, of jobs right now. Like they're trying to come out of college and get these. And be an executive right away. (laughs) Um, Be executive or, or, you know, be, be, you know, a director or a producer or whatever the case might be right away. But at the end of the day, like you have to know where you come from and you have to work your way up. Like me and, you know, we've struggled to find jobs out of college. We know what it takes. Like there's people out there and I, I, you know, just give a quick advice to people out there. I know it's during the pandemic and they're struggling right now. Um, But in any field, like you do stuff and make yourself like as useful as possible, pick up anything to learn. Like I started off not getting paid at an internship. Like I said, at Linux media with the Westchester Knicks, I came in, I wrapped wires. I broke down sets. I, you know, set up audio stuff. I, you know, helped out set up cameras, things like that. But I wasn't getting paid, but I was learning everything on the fly. I was like, okay, this is goes, this is how this is set up. This is how this is set up. Like, and so when I got hired at certain positions, I had all these different experiences. Like, okay, I edited in college, but now I know how to set up an audio board. Now I know how to set up this. Like, so you have to start from the bottom and work your way up. You can't just like fast track your way to, to, you know, superstar if you want, you know, you can't just fast track way to as much as you want to, you have to kind of work your way. You just have to keep on grinding at it and, and learn everything along the way, learn as much as you can. Because like I said, I don't think I would have gotten the job at the, where I am right now at the NBA if I didn't have my experiences, my internship, my experiences at MLB. And now where I am here is because I really learned as much as I could to make myself as universal as possible. Oh, Alex knows how to you know edit, but he also knows how to set up this. So, okay, Alex, we need you here. 
let's get you here or you know like stuff like that like matt you know we're you know cameras you know how to do audio you know how to do a bunch of stuff okay matt we need you at this set because you know how to do this like you're not doing your normal job you're gonna do this because you have that background like just make yourself as universal as possible that's the thing i want to you know make sure people know is just that learn as much as you can be it as wrapping a cable you don't think oh that's you know that's the fanciest of jobs but you don't understand like you wrapping cables well and working hard at what you do can get you opportunities down the line. I don't think I would get my opportunities like with where I am now is if it wasn't, I wrapped the cable to begin with or, you know, audio and stuff like that. Like I learned every day, I came and wanted to learn something new every day. And then I became, okay, Alex wants to learn. Alex really works hard. Let's give him this opportunity. Let's see what he does. So I think that's a key thing, you know, for sure. And like I said, we can go back all the way back to Duncan. That's the same thing. As much as I want, like, you know, I want an easy job or whatever, or want a high paying job, whatever. Sometimes you have to pour coffee in a mug and learn certain things yeah. to get you to the next spot in life. That's what you have to do. So, yeah. Wow. That's really, I've recorded 20 podcasts so far. That was one of the coolest and most, I really, I commend you on your achievements and I really appreciate you taking the time. I like that a lot. I really liked you spreading that. Thanks. Thank, thank you for that. Honestly, I think wow. a lot of people, I definitely love hearing it. It's a great reminder, even for myself to keep working and going. And, and I just really appreciate you sharing that specifically. So thank you, Alex. I really appreciate that. Um, no at all. I, yeah. And that's like, just a quick thing. That's why this podcast is a thing until I work again is staying on the, stay not being rusty in the Adobe creative cloud. I use all the, I use the big four with making it Photoshop to help make the logo. I use Adobe audition for this premiere after effects to do the video. So like that, you're right. Doing something useful and getting as much skills as you can, cause they will use you and need you. Hmm. And is there any, can you tell me like the funniest, um, can you tell me the, one of the funniest situations you ever see at Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> but mine, mine is weird. Mine is like, it's, it's funny and like, a, a, like not like a messed up, it's kind of, but it's, it's, it's it falls someone stealing. Okay. No worry, judgment free zone. Does this have to be, so, there's no incrimination you're about to say, are you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not incriminating <laughs> myself. This is not. Good, 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 so, good. So when I was working at Duncan, it was a few months before I was leaving for college. Um, and I was working like a night shift that night. So we had this customer come in all the time and he would get the same coffee or whatever. And, you know, he was just a regular. We didn't think much of it. So I come in that day and my manager's there. So I already knew something was going on. Or my, my boss, like my own, the owner of the store was there. So I knew something was going on. So uh, she brought me aside, said, I need you to watch this video, you know, and, uh, you know, we got to, we got to talk. So, so I'm in trouble. I thought I did something right. So, all right. So I go and watch this video. It's just regular. He comes in the afternoon, gets his typical drink, you know, and these people are making their drinks. So when the, when the lady, my coworker turned around, he would, he stole money from his tip, the tip jar, what? put it in his pocket. Right. And then just continued to go his way. So they figured it out because it was a busy afternoon like why the chip jar is so small. So they went back and reviewed the tape, saw the guy. So I said, just be on the lookout for him, whatever the case might be. So no problem, we might not see him for a while. So I'm working that shift, right? I'm working with my other coworker and it's like nighttime about that my shift and guess who shows up? <laughs> the regular. Yeah. <laughs> so he walks in, acting like everything's normal. And I go over to like my, my manager on the shift that time. I'm like, he's in here. Like the guy's here. So like, what do you mean? I'm like the guy who stole from the chip jars mm -hmm. in the store. Okay. So, so I'm like, Oh, great. So, so he goes over and we, we just do his normal thing. 
And my manager was like, can I ask you a question to this, to this customer? And I'm like standing, I'm like, uh-oh. He's like, why'd you do it? And the guy is like, what do you mean? He's like, why did you do it? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, you stole from the tip jar. We have you on camera stealing from the tip jar. Mm-hmm. So the guy is shocked at this moment, right? And uh, okay. I'm standing there. I'm like, oh, God, like, this is, this is wild. And so <laughs> my coworker, I'm not even kidding. It's like the funniest thing. He goes, and he's like, I need your ID. And I need you to go to the car and grab you $50 from what you stole and come back and bring it in. So I'm standing there. I'm like, oh, this guy's just going to bail. This guy yeah. is gonna bail. Like he's getting his car, he's gone. He come, he's like, all right, I don't have the money on me right now, but like I'll go to the bank and come back. So he comes back, gets his ID, gives his ID, we scan it, gives us some money or whatever. Here's my B and leaves. So I come back the next day and I get we get yelled at for for doing that because we were supposed to contact the manager and and not do what we did. Uh, so of course, like we were like, what? Like we just helped you. Like this guy was stealing yeah. from you. Like what are you doing? <laughs> we ended up getting yelled at, and that's why it's not really like a hilarious story. But it ended up happening with the guy. He used to go oh, to all these different stores. Yeah. They put his picture like on the wall <laughs> in the Duncan, and they're like. Yeah, like if you see this guy, don't serve him. He's banned. He got banned from like thirty plus Dunkin' Donuts in the area because of what he did. So, yeah, it was like this weird story that I found like funny because I'm just like looking back at it. And I'm like, why did we? Why do we get yelled at? Yeah, <laughs> you like, went to save the day, like. You but Dude, yeah, I- and then you know, obviously, yeah. There's weird orders. Like some guy used to come in and get like like four bacon, egg, and cheeses on croissants and eat them. Like it was just like him. It was like it was that. <laughs> someone got like twenty twenty Splenda in a large coffee once, and I like was like what? twenty like, Splenda like, in like, it. Twenty Splenda. Like yeah, there was just things like that. Just like certain little things where I was sitting there, like wait, did I hear you right? Like I, remember, I heard twenty Splenda in my ear, and I'm like, wait, did you say two? And they're like, no, twenty. And I was like. Oh geez! So I had to like manually put in twenty Splenda so the person making the coffee knew that I he washed it twice. Splenda packets. All the sugar. Yeah, so. All alone. Oh yeah, I yeah. That's not good I, for the I, heart. I, I don't know. No, no, Dude, no. When I'd work at Kohl's, I'd have some crazy customers who like that. Like you know, one thing this was weird. I hope I'm not. I do not endorse this, and I'm not encouraging. But you know, if you steal something from the store, you're not supposed to really chase after them. You have to let yeah. the loss prevention to get it. Yeah. But I know this kid who actually did it once, my buddy Jake, and he tackled the, the robber. <laughs> they said, let him go. And he bounces out. He moves away. But he had some balls, and he said, like, oh, I got a weapon on me and stuff. He just did a kid. He's trying to be the superhero. He tackles him, then he bounces away again. And I don't know what happened from here on. I remember I remember once I, somebody tried to use an Old Navy car that said Old Navy. <laughs> I can't put this through. It says Old Navy. No, put it through. It works. And I'm feeling like a dumbass swiping this Old Navy card that says Old Navy on it. Yeah. And then I heard this story. You know, you've heard of Coles Cash? Yeah. I remember someone had a dispute of Coles Cash, and then there was a police officer arresting someone for stealing. And then she approached this off. This is wrong. They're not letting me take my Coles Cash. And I wasn't there for this, but apparently the cop was just there for just – I guess there's two cops. One was taking care of the other one. And, you know, he had the police officers hearing the complaint. And, well, the guy was just like, I can't help you. Whatever happened. Like, geez. That's the old Navy ones. And then um, I remember uh, I seen the most stereotypical 
someone trying to steal clothes. Like, my clothes people try to see all the time. And it yeah. was like a no, it was normal to see to see yeah, people trying to yeah. But I remember someone. It I swear to you, this was too perfect. Someone's trying to steal earrings. The LP catches him. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And it's the perfect uh shoot starts running out. See my buddy Anthony chasing after. They catch it. I'm like, this is too stereotypical. Like. They just like literally raid, run yeah. for it. People, people are weird, man. Some people are just weird. Like, it's why, like, why, why go into a store and just try to try to do that? Like, someone's going. Sometimes you got away with it, but like, if you go to places like Coles, like, there's cameras, like a bunch of different places. Like, Everywhere. someone's eventually going to see you. Like, and then someone's gonna t- get you on video, probably running. Yeah. Like, oh, look at this, go viral, jeez. Yeah. Yo, Alex, I'm gonna try something for you with you specifically for the first time. This is the first time any of these podcasts right. I'm doing as a right. nice finale. They're called, it's called the Proust Questionnaire. I don't know if you heard, uh, there was this French guy named Bernard Pivot. And he had, and he asked these 10 specific questions. And then it, the most famous questionnaire is, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Inside the Actor Studio. Will Ferrell played the character, James Lipton. And he asked these very same questions. So maybe you know what I'm about to ask. Maybe those who don't, I'm going to ask you these specific questions. And yeah, just answer them as honestly you can, nice and quick. And um, then after, I'll ask my own last question. So, Alex, here we go. You ready for this? The very first right, person to do the Proust, the Proust questionnaire on the Productive Conversation podcast. This is Alex Young. Very number one. All right, Alex, what is your favorite word? Favorite word? Yep. Uh. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my favorite <laughs> word would be a favorite. I don't know. <laughs> favorite. All right. We're going to go with favorite. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Least favorite word? Uh, moist. Don't like, <laughs> I joke around and say it a lot, but I don't like that word at all. <laughs> what turns you on in this world? Turns me on in this world? Sports. <laughs> Sports <laughs> is, uh, is my key thing. What turns you off? Hmm. The dumb one. Hmm. Certain certain aspects of politics that mm-hmm. I don't like. <laughs> certain certain I things hear I, say, that. Like, I that hear one. that, man. <laughs> what is a sound or noise that you love? Uh, the beach. I probably oh, sound. What is the sound or noise that you hate? Fire alarm. Can't stand <laughs> fire alarm. <laughs> my high school Alex would have a fire alarm once a week and it was all the time someone pulling it or getting the caught smoking. Fire alarms were terrible. Oh, and the complexes? Yeah. yeah. Oh my like, god. Like two in so the morning. Bad. Yeah, like, it was so bad. It's kind of weird to say, like the, the high school one wasn't it was just a regular bell. They still yeah. count as fire alarm. But yeah. But it was like U- super loud though. Oh yeah. My the U R one was screeching. It was like yeah. people scratching on a chalkboard. Yeah, it was. It was like be like right above like your bed, like on yeah. one, one side of the room. There'd be like the fire alarm thing. So like some poor soul like me, I uh, sleeping <laughs> on that side. When that thing would go off, it would, I would like jump out of bed because it was like right next to my head. It was. It, mm-hmm. it was so loud. Oh, dude, dude. All right. Um, um, but, but I could just say real quick: fire yeah. alarms are important. People, make sure you don't. Of <laughs> don't course. Take it off. Noise. I don't. The I just <laughs> My funniest fire alarm. I mean, I know this kid who would sleep through him on purpose, and he would somehow train his brain. And I don't know what it's. 
He's trying to be a lawyer now, so that, I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 not, not the best idea to try to sleep through your fire alarm because I could save you. As much as you hate the sound, it could save your life one day. All right, this is a funny question, a part of it. We're on number seven. What is your favorite curse word? <sighs> Ooh, that <F> word. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's usually people's <laughs> answer. Yeah. But okay, yeah. number eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? profession other than my own uh probably like an actor i think it'd be cool to do that acting would probably be cool i think think you'd be a great star presence (laughs) number nine what a profession would you like to not do you would not like to do Uh, anything around which is weird anything around like garbage Gar, like, no you know, guys. like cleaning cleaning guys i am not i'm not a fan of like like you know like i i used to take trash out of my home or even my apartment now like mm-hmm. if any like weird thing drips out of the bag or like you're trying to push it down you feel something like oh uh, nope yeah i don't know how people do it props to garbage people out there yep. garbage men women out there sanitation all of you guys i don't know how you do it i mean i i just any any weird little feeling in the garbage can i'm like nope like nope no thank you <laughs> why do you say that because a raccoon got into our garbage like two weeks ago my dad yelled i was like i'm not the one who let it open yeah. these oh, happen man. in my driveway all the time at home this would be a, my dad you know my dad would have to go to work so i'm of course there you know picking up the remnants of what the raccoon got in and putting it, it was the worst <laughs> all right number 10 the last question the proudest question and i just want to ask you one more thing is if heaven exists what would you like god to hear what would you like to hear god say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates Ooh, that's a really really good question yeah right i love that um, question I would want him to say that I was good or nice to other people. Like I was, I was, I was personable and, and open to like talking and and helping out other people. Like I was helpful to others. I think that would be the thing that I would want to hear the most is that Mm -hmm. I helped out the world in some way. I'll be a small thing. Even if it was just me like smiling to someone, if I was just nice and helpful to other people, I think that would be cool to hear. How sweet, man. I think you're definitely on that right track. And uh, my last question for you, Alex, before we bid you fair do, we've been at it for an hour and 40 minutes. And it's been I know. We can literally so. talk. We could probably go out for like five hours. We, we Honestly, could always, yeah. always have something to talk about. We were always good at that. Well, I hope you definitely want to come back and be a regular, man. Oh, I really hope so. Yeah, oh, definitely. So win. Yeah, for sure. Definitely win. Yeah. My last question for you, Alex, is what was something you laughed? What was something that made you laugh recently? Like really laughed hard? Ooh, something made me laugh really hard. Um, I was, <laughs> I don't know why, I was watching Parks and Rec. Again, <laughs> yep. Which is a great show. And every time the the Chris uh, Pratt episode happens when he's like putting up the, if people haven't seen it, there's like a scene where he's putting up a, a picture frame mm-hmm. and he's, and he bashes his head into the wall and like falls off and gives himself like a concussion. <laughs> um, every every time I see that like one scene, like even, if I, even though I've seen the show like a bunch of times, that's probably the whole thing that's made me laugh um, the most. I, I, and then another quick thing, I was been rewatching the Scream movies because me and my my girlfriend oh, yeah. have a heated debate of, of order of of Scream, which like from uh, best to worst of Scream movies. <laughs> um, and that's the third one, there is just. Yeah, there's like the third one. There's just moments in that movie that just make me bust out laughing because of how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Scream 3. I think it's the worst one out of all of them. Yeah. But there's like there's like a part 
where like Gail picks up this like too advanced technique voice changer for the movie to come out in like the nineties where it like records everyone's voice and can like mimic it back. And like Gail is like talking into it and she's like shocked that it's like her voice coming back. And I'm like, this is so dumb. And I just started cracking up. <laughs> I'm, like, this is like the stupidest thing ever. They just went way too far away from the original and scream three, which is why I don't, I don't like scream three at all, but yeah. Just a time for there. the end of spooky season. Oh man, you yeah, want to you want to watch true, a movie yeah. spooky season? You ever heard of that movie Hereditary? Yeah, I, I've I've heard of it. I don't I don't know. If I watched like a quick synopsis video on it, but I I've been seeing it around and I've heard people talking about it, and I just don't know. Like I probably might sit watch it eventually, but I don't know. Like apparently, like the only all right, we watch lots of scary movies in our life. <laughs> Are some like actually freak you and scare you? Not, you know, 99% of the time, no. You're more just entertained by it, you know? But this apparently, like, legitimately will put fear in you. This movie will create fear. And I I actually haven't seen it yet. I've seen The Midsummer, the same director who did that, who, um, but I figured maybe as a joke, I don't know how if I want to put myself through this. Like, watch something that involve like the politics, uh, politics, a podcast. It's watch like Hereditary in the dark and like candlelight with the speakers loud, and just have like a camera on me to see how it reacts. Just the, just the the reaction of watching sitting down and going through that. That, yeah. that could be a good idea. I think that'd be a good idea. I mean, I, I've been meaning to watch um, Midsummer too. I haven't seen that, and I've I've heard about Hereditary. I haven't seen that. Uh, there has been a movie that like my girlfriend has asked for us to watch finally because me and you know my college roommate chris chambers yep um we watched it in college um was strangers and that movie will forever yeah will forever horrify me because it's like so it's like that like that's what i hear about hereditary is that it's like the same thing it's like it puts fear in you because <laughs> it's like kind of realistic like yeah like that, didn't that actually happen like those, too yeah, it was like basically like the director. The director like had an instance where like there was like a story in his town where like something similar to that like happened, and that's oh, how he got man. the inspiration behind it. So it's like, it's that's why I'm like always afraid to watch that movie because again because it's like I'm in a brand new apartment and of course like I'm gonna be <laughs> terrified because like I, if I open the door or something there's gonna be like three masked people and they're gonna be you know oh. whatever the case might be. If you've never seen the movie like. You know, there's like these psycho people that literally are just like outside your door and they just torment you and get into your house and stuff like stuff that can like realistically happen in today's world mm-hmm. that freaks me out. So that's like the movie that I've, this whole like Halloween season. I'm like, I don't know if I'm if I'm ready yet with a new apartment to sit and go through that. So I don't think I'll be able to sit and watch Hereditary just yet, just from what I hear about it. So yeah, you got a couple. You have well, you have about a little less than forty eight hours to go to hit it. Yeah. So and uh, probably the scariest movie I saw. The put the closest thing to actually give me fear would be the emoji movie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, the original Exorcist. I think is. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that's, that. That's it's, a good one. Yep. It's yep. An amazing movie, but it just yep. stuff that is you just see obscene. You yep. know the demons. You see the pea yep. soup diamond yep. and the. Uh, did you did you now did you watch Exorcist when you were like younger like me like I, I saw like Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was younger and it, like <laughs> traumatized me from like horror movies. Oh yeah, that so, can freak you out. Yeah, so I did you watch it when you were younger, like when you were a little bit like? I older? only watched it for the believe it or not, I only watched it the first time a few months ago. Okay. as a twenty-five year old, so pro- okay. def- if I was a kid, yes, I'd be freaked. I'd never leave my house. Yeah. This I could like handle. Never. Yeah, you can handle. Yeah, you can handle now. Yeah. No, but I can still acknowledge like the freaky stuff, and even there are some jump scares. Like, whoa, 
And yeah. the original Halloween too of Mike Myers is just yep. one of my favorite. I just rewatched that recently too. That's 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 a really really good movie. It's so it's so fun to watch that movie again. Uh, we just watched it like last week. Oh yeah, and I was like, fun I'm like watch. damn this. It's like my like, damn this movie is so good just to keep on rewatching. Like that's like the one movie like during Halloween I don't think I'll ever get sick of is going through and watching the original Halloween just from like Not just everything and just like the scoring of itself. Like my mm-hmm. girlfriend said, and she, she's a huge diehard horror movie fan. Like she's like a fanatic. She's like that's probably like the best score throughout all the horror movies and you look at it like Absolutely. it's just so well done um and that's a movie if like you're big and dark and you like never watched it like people out there <laughs> listening go sit down and watch it uh, it's unbelievable it's a great great one with you know halloween right around the corner literally watch halloween <laughs> yeah you could literally watch it t- well by the time this uh, airs is november but you know Watch it. Make sure you get it. And uh, the other scary movie, horror movie that I just love, or I'm going to give two, Get Out, even though I think it's more of a thriller, mm-hmm. but it is in that c- category. Yeah. Top it's, in that, it's definitely in the horror thriller category for sure, yeah. yeah. And then uh, The Shining. You ever see Shining with um, yep. Jack Nicholson? Shining, yeah. I mean, Shining, I finally like watched, like sit down, watch the whole th- thing through, like I think like last year. Um mm-hmm. Like finally gave it a watch probably around this time too i think me and my girlfriend sat down and and watched it um and that's another fantastic well, get out's probably like it might even be in like my like top 10 movies i've ever oh, seen we, like it's unbelievable um it has such a, so has a lot to say were, too yeah yeah no it, definitely um yeah I, I can those two movies and halloween are probably the three like i would religiously probably watch around halloween time because uh you know it's so good uh yeah for sure Absolutely. Well, Alex, as you know, we could talk all day. Had an awesome time catching up. I'm glad you want to come back too, because I really want you back. This was this was awesome, especially the career advice was was really really something I really appreciate the most. So you, the man, Alex. Tell your family I said hello. Tell your girlfriend I said hello, and let's do this again really soon. And then once this pandemic ends, especially since we're relatively close, let's let's definitely catch up in person as well. Yeah, for sure. Again, thank you for having me. It was awesome when I you know reached out to you and and, and congratulate you for having it on Spotify and everywhere. That was awesome. And you saying you wanted me on the show was awesome. And uh, oh, same yeah. thing to you and your family. Give them all my best. Uh, you know, you guys have been awesome. You know, I've known you for a really long time. Like I yep. said, you were probably my first friend at college as well. Literally. Um, so so it's been a been a blast coming back and like i said we, we always had time like we could sit and talk for hours so i would love to be back whenever you want and uh oh i and, want yeah, you back <laughs> i definitely for do. sure so i'm wishing you nothing but the best to you and your family and uh i appreciate you giving me the time i know we talked for a little longer than what we expected but you know i'm always here to talk and, and i'm always one about yeah exactly yeah i'm always uh i'm always willing to, to hang around and talk for sure so thank you for having me i really appreciate it absolutely that's what's great about my podcasting hosting transistor they let me do unlimited um podcast and this zoom so shouts to those services but all right Alex, you're the man. I love you, and I can't wait to do this again. And be sure you have a safe Halloween weekend and a, have a safe election day, too. <laughs> you as well, my friend, and I uh, love you too, man, and uh, wishing you again nothing but the best going forward. This has uh, been an awesome time. Thank you. For sure. I'll talk to you again really, really soon. Love right. you, buddy. Peace. And there you have it, folks. Isn't Alex Young the fucking man? Simple as that, man. What great ambition. What a great head on his shoulders. What a great man, and I'm so happy he was on the show today. Thank you to my guest, Alex Young. And with that, 
I will see you all next week, a short week for Thanksgiving week. If you're traveling this weekend, please, please be safe. And, you know, I'm not going to say don't chill with your family amongst this pandemic. Just be careful. You know what to do. And I trust you to do the right thing in that sense. But next week, my, I will have two guests next week. One includes the world-famous Brian Schwartz. And who is Brian Schwartz? Brian Schwartz is actually my first ever celebrity guest. He is the weekend sports anchor and a reporter for WHSV. WHSV is an ABC affiliate for Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. The great counties of Harrisburg, Staunton, Waynesboro, and Shenandoah Valley in Virginia all are blessed every single weekend to see Mr. Schwartz report the news every weekend. And he's done some great reports on the side as well for the network. So... I'll be really excited to talk about sports and a lot more with Mr. Schwartz. That's coming up on Monday. Then on Wednesday, not Thursday because Thursday's Thanksgiving, but Wednesday we have the famous Joseph Del Rio coming up on the show. A soon-to-be real estate mogul and a good friend of mine and someone who used to be a roommate of mine. He's going to be on the show on Wednesday and... He's hilarious. We have a lot of great things to say about that. And he gives me a lot of great real estate advice that we all can use. And there's a lot of other interesting stories along the way. But with that, we will see Brian and Joe next week. For the rest of you, I hope you're safe, well, and happy. Please be safe over the weekend, especially if you're traveling. And I will see you all very, very soon. I love you. Good night. Good luck. And I'll see you soon. Peace. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.